0: You're listening to The Exhibitionist Podcast, brought to you by InspiringExhibitors.com and ProExtra, the wholly owned division of 12-Man Solutions Limited.
1: Hi and welcome to the second episode of The Exhibitionist, the podcast. If you're joining us for the first time, thank you for tuning in and welcome on board. And if you're retuning in after the first episode, thank you for sticking with us. It was great to get the feedback from you guys to the first episode, which overall was pretty positive, so thank you for that. One of the things we heard from you was that you love the hints and tips and advice and would like more anecdotes and general experience from people about how you make your exhibiting better. So we'll try and build in as much of that as we can to all future episodes going forward. One of the other things that we heard from you is that maybe Steve and I were a little bit serious. And actually, for those of you that know us, apparently we're a little bit more fun than that. So uh, apologies for the seriousness, and we will try and be more fun going forward. So, Steve, that's the rule from now on? Yep. And the final thing, and I'm really sorry about this, uh, is that I think it was Barry from Bangor who said that my voice is a bit annoying. So I'm really sorry. It's the one I was born with. And as a business mentor once told me, You can only work with what you've got, so I'll try and be a little bit less annoying going forward, but it is the only voice I've got. So on to today's episode, and shortly we will be speaking to Tim Christian, and Tim works for the stand design agency Project 4. Stand design is quite often where most exhibitors go to as soon as they've booked their floor space and start thinking about what they want their stand to look like and how they're going to spend their budget. And a lot of exhibitors think that once they've paid for the floor space and once they've paid for the stand, that's pretty much job done. But actually, industry research shows that between your floor space and your stand design, it's probably only about 50% of your budget. And actually, you'll need the same amount again on top of that to exhibit really effectively. At this point, you might be thinking, well, what on earth do you spend the rest of your money on? To do exhibitions really well, pre-show marketing, stand staff training, all the other things that come into it in terms of services, electricity perhaps, power, lighting, those kind of things all cost money and therefore try to think when you're budgeting about more than just your stand design and just more about the floor space and all the other things that you might need some budget for to actually drive people to your stand and make sure it's the right people coming to visit you. If you want some more hints and tips and advice on budgeting there's a blog that we've just published on the Inspiring Exhibitors website talks just about that and also helps give you a breakdown of the areas the percentages of where you might want to spend your budget to get the most out of your exhibiting. So we've been out and about the last couple of weeks at various shows so Steve what's been happening in your world over the last couple of weeks?
0: We're picking up more and more on our workshops that exhibitors are wanting to know what if any giveaways they should have on their stands. We suggest that you shouldn't have freebies for freebies sake as this is just burning a hole in your budget and most of the cheap throwaways will be just adding to the growing backlash of single-use plastics in the environment. You should be avoiding any uninspiring junk, especially cheap pens, key rings, fridge magnets, and even USB sticks these days, as many organisations won't allow the use of them anymore in case of infecting their network. Unless you're a food producer giving out your own products as samples, having sweets and food in a branded container is a slight no-no. Think about it. How many clients and potential clients will have seen your brand in the rubbish bins around the exhibition hall? How is that gonna be perceived? Try and sit down with your gift supplier to come up with an on-trend and eco-friendly idea that isn't cheesy, but may well be a little retro, for example. If the trade shows in the winter, would branded gloves work, or in the summer, a decent pair of sunnies for a high potential client? If you want branded awareness that lasts What about notebooks, something that has a use and will be used, or at least will be passed on to others to use, thereby extending the longevity of your branded giveaway. Anything that is sustainable is good, such as a grow it yourself kit with a branded container for whatever sprouts up, and cotton tote bags don't go amiss these days. Industry research does suggest that good branded giveaways have at least a 12 month afterlife following a trade show. Everything else is just potential trash. If your budget doesn't run to a good giveaway, then don't give anything away. It's better than giving away something cheap that may devalue your brand in the long run.
1: Great advice there, Steve. Thank you so much for that. And um, I can't remember the number of times that I've been walking around a show and just thrown away some of the giveaways that we've been given because they're completely irrelevant or poor quality or meaningless to me. So great advice to follow if you're thinking about your next show. One of the other things that came up in a workshop recently was about those opening lines and the first few seconds that you've got to make an impression with a visitor as they approach your stand. And this really came to life for me when I was down at Street Food Live a couple of weeks ago. And there seems to be a really big trend for people looking down at my badge to find my name and, and find my job title before they actually start speaking to me. So we got talking about this in a workshop and Some of the delegates were saying, I'm just trying to get hold of somebody's name so I can actually address them using their name, which is so much more personal. It's a great point. It it really is. And if you know someone's name, it's always going to make them feel like you're having a more intimate conversation with them. Equally, it could also look like you're trying to check out whether they're important enough for you to speak to. may feel like you're just looking at their position and their job title and almost trying to do in that bit of filtering beforehand to think, "Mm, will I spend time talking to this person? Is it going to add anything to my show? Actually, you can do that with a couple of really clever questions introduced at the right point. And I think that flicking down and looking at somebody's badge can be a little bit off putting. So if you can find a way to avoid doing that, I know it's really tempting, but it certainly put me off but find a way through your opening lines, planning your opening lines and your opening questions before the show so that you can quickly filter them and get to that point where you know if they're in a position to buy from you. I think it means much more and is much more personal than just glancing down at their badge. If you want any more advice on how to filter visitors and the process to work through to find out whether you've got a chance of doing business with somebody, do get in touch with us either via Twitter at ProExtraCo or via the website at www.inspiringexhibitors.com and we can help you work out how you're going to make that visitor feel special in the first 20 seconds. Okay, so on to today's interview. And as I mentioned, we are talking today to Tim Christian, who's got some fantastic advice about effective stand design. You might think in the next uh, half an hour or so, you're going to hear about fantastic graphics and brilliant colours and new and engaging tech but actually what Tim talks about quite a lot is how important your stand uh, staff are and using the staff on your stand to really bring everything that you've put in your stand design to life. So we hope this is helpful. Enjoy listening to Tim and we'll be back at the end of the show. So this week we are incredibly excited to be uh, joined by the very talented Tim Christian of Project 4. And Project 4 are a full service exhibitions agency Um, But they're really focused on creating memorable experiences for their clients and visitors. Uh, We've worked with Tim over the years, who has come up with some phenomenal designs, the designs that we've worked on, that don't just look great, but that really engage with the visitor and help establish what their needs are and how we could solve them. So welcome, Tim.
2: Thank you very much indeed. Pleased to be on board.
1: Thank you. So, Tim, before we get into asking you some questions, do you want to just give us a little bit of background about your experience in the events industry and your current role?
2: Sure. So, I've been um, working in events since uh, the early 90s, which I know is going to come as a shock because I look so young, but um, I've managed to hide it well. So, been working on uh, everything from trade shows to to big expos uh, right the way through from both sides then, client side, agency side, and now. With Project 4, doing the the full build. So we look at everything really from the concept through the design um, right the way through the user experience. Um, and, and where possible, we, we look at that whole journey um, of the, the delegate, how they're tracked, uh, how they engage on the stand, and what the onward action is because, you know, that's the really important piece. Yes, we can just build you a stand if you have a brief, but it's, it's that life cycle that's it's the killer that uh, is what we're really all looking at.
1: Brilliant. And what we're going to be talking about today is um, the design side of it and creating your stand. And I know it's where exhibitors focus a huge amount of their time and a huge amount of their effort. But I think what will be really interesting in our conversation is about how the whole exhibition journey fits around just the stand design and how you can use that to, uh, to maximise your whole investment rather than it just being the stand for the stand's sake. Um, So kicking off, what are the hot trends in stand design and build that you have seen in 2018? Okay, so there's a few things
2: going on that is is quite exciting from uh, a technology point of view. People are are, are really embracing um, how to do a lot of capture work. So doing a lot of lead capture, doing a lot of delegate tracking type stuff. Um, So they've got a better understanding of who's coming to the stand. That's that's interesting, but it, it comes with its own problems. Because great, you collect a bucket full of data. What do you do with it afterwards? So we'll we'll kind of come onto that in a bit. Um, from an aesthetic point of view, from a design point of view, um, we're seeing people are getting a, a little bit more away from the dull straight edges of things. Um, it's less reliant now, perhaps, on on digital screen technology, and it's becoming a little bit more tactile. There was a shift sort of three years ago trying to put iPads in everybody's hands. That's kind of gone away a little bit now because they're they're just all over the place, there's there's just no need for it. And what's quite exciting for an old guy is seeing that we've gone through this massive cycle of technology is is king, it's going to be our saviour, and people are starting to realise that actually perhaps what we really want to do is engage with people. We want to create areas where people can just have a chat. and that is, is where we're seeing people making really huge gains and actually having proper pull-through with, with their, their delegates and, and the, the stand visitors. So, so that kind of the understanding of, you know, just flipping it backwards, it's understanding what the, the customer wants in, from the exhibition experience and trying to build around that. So making sure that the stand is attractive enough that it stands out from the crowd, because you know we've all been in those halls where it's just a sea of, of laminates and woods and flashing lights and God knows what. So instead of trying to be too shouty, a lot of the success I've seen people have is, is be a little bit restrained, kind of rein it back in a little bit, but making sure your message is clear, that it's concise and it's not lost in all the noise. Um, and give people dwell time, give people somewhere to sit down and have a chat. Um, so I think it was Da Vinci that said, um, simplify, art is about simplifying. And to a degree, I'm, not, I'm never going to say what we do is art, but I'm saying there is an art in creating a great stand experience.
1: It's, it's really interesting to hear you talk about technology, because a few years ago, the assumption was that technology was going to be the great saviour of trade shows, and how do we get touch screens in there, how do we get iPads? How do we get everybody playing games and getting involved in immersive technology? And we kind of forget that trade shows are about face to face and it's really that human interaction that people are looking for when they come to a trade show. If they can do something online, they can do it at the desk. Why do they need to come to a trade show to do it? So yeah. it's really interesting and to see that move.
2: Yeah, and I think one of the things that people kind of and, and it's it's a trap that people can fall into quite a lot because they get kind of carried away with the new and the shiny. And the new and the shiny is presented as a panacea to everything, and you go, "Well, that'd be great, right? Well, let's put that in the hand of the first person that comes up." But if you look at that that process, if you if you're approaching somebody, chances are you might want to have a dialogue, even if it's just a oh, "Where's where's the bathroom?" kind of dialogue. But you want to have dialogue. You don't want to be presented with a piece of data here. Don't talk to me. Have a play on this. It's like, well, actually, that's a, you put a barrier in the way, mm. but you're very excited about your barrier. And you're missing the point that actually, someone's just come to me. Now, whilst he may be busting for the bathroom, he might want to come back, and he might have a problem that we can solve. Yeah. But all I've done is got excited about the bit that's exciting to me, and forgotten what's exciting to him. Yeah. And you know, that's the thing that gradually people are getting to to understand. It's you know, what's exciting for that guy or girl, and <laughs> and making sure that. You're there for them.
1: So thinking about the total engagement and bringing people in and helping solve problems, what's the best execution that you've seen at a trade show this year? Um, well, that's that's going to sound weird
2: because it's two-part answer. I've seen some gorgeous aesthetic stuff that I think is really, really nice um, and really stands out from a from an execution point of view. It's it's had a you know, what we call sensible budget attached to it. So you can look at stuff and go, wow, that's amazing. And then you can kind of dig a little bit deeper. And, you know, you walk around, you know, for my sins, I do spend a lot of time walking around all these halls across Europe. And you talk to people that have, you know, been on the stand or coming off the stand and you ask, what do you think about it? And what can be aesthetically great can be flawed by people not knowing what that was all about. So my creative side of it is going, wow, that's great. How did they get, up, get to that point? That was brilliant. And then my business side is going, but what is it saying? You know, what does that actually say about the brand? Why am I going on there? And what does it expect me to do afterwards? Whereas some of the, the, the best stuff I've seen, some stuff that works, and I think it's a two-part question because what looks good might not be the thing that works, and and vice versa. So if you've got something that's, you know, and it it, it starts way before the almost the, the, the design point, is talking to people, you know, talking to your customer. They say, so, hey, we're going to be at this show, and we've got something really interesting to talk about. Um, you really should come come and see us. You know, why don't you pre book? So that's all going on. Way in advance before we start sketching stuff out and cutting wood and building stuff, you turn up and you've got an audience that are, are coming towards you. If you've got a busy stand, within reason, it doesn't matter what it looks like because people are attracted to other people. People get intrigued. By what, what's everyone looking? What am I missing out on? It's that whole fear of missing out thing. Why people queue up outside nightclubs? And you know, it's you know the experience in the nightclub. Might not be what you think, but hey, there's a whole bunch of people. I want to be part of that. And, and that then needs to go after the event. It's not finished when we pull it all down. It's not finished when the last person leaves with his last cup of coffee and free pen. It's finished when you chase down the real people, the people that are interested, that you've had the proper conversations with. Not the people that want the free pens and pads. They're great. They, you know, That's good, but it's not what you're really there for. But if you go back to the beginning of the process, the people you've decided you you want to talk to, that's the most important bit. Um, but if you look at a an event as a whole, and let's say you've you've got a pound or a hundred thousand pounds or anything else like that, it's fr- from our side of things what we find the most beneficial where where our clients get the, the best value is we start with that conversation of the entire piece. Um, when you get down to the, you know, I've got £20,000, I've got £5,000, or whatever it is, to, to build a stand. We don't know necessarily what's gone before. We don't know what the expectation of afterwards is. That That's kind of a commodity sale. Um, and nine times out of ten, if I ask any of our customers, any of our prospects, do you sell commodity stuff? Is, is yours the same as everybody else's? Chances are the answer is going to be no. So why would you go to a, a commodity supplier to buy Probably, what's the most important thing for you—the cheapest way possible. Surely, you possibly want a little bit of value there. So, so that's sorry, I've, I've answered about three or four questions in <laughs> one. I'm really passionate about this because if we yeah. don't know the beginning and we don't know the expectation of the end, yeah, it, it's like writing a good story. And I know you're writing a book. I'm looking forward to reading it. But you know, a story arc has a beginning, middle, and an end. If we're only involved in the middle. It's gonna be a little bit of a disjointed story, I would have thought.
1: Absolutely, we we talk a lot on our workshops and in the book around the pie model, so planning, implementation, and evaluation. And yeah. that, although those three stages almost run in parallel at times, because the implement, implementation stage, there's things you'll be doing in your planning, but there are three discrete areas, and it is that start, the middle, and the end. Um, and actually, yeah. maybe the, the least, Important bit is that bit in the middle when you're at the show. Because if you get the start and the end right, that bit in the middle just works and you don't need to worry about it too much because everything you've done around the start and the end will facilitate that middle bit being brilliant. So,
2: absolutely. And, you know, one of the bravest things a client can do is ask companies like myself um, into the start bit because maybe they've done this. Maybe they've done this for 20 years. Maybe they're the most important person in their business. They've done it for 20 years. They know what they're doing. So, actually, I know exactly what I want on the stand because I've done it for 20 years. Yeah. Now, that might not be the most robust business model. And quite often, we can be in those meetings and we can be the bad guy, frankly, because we're you know at the moment, you know if I sit in front of a prospect, I've got nothing. I'd love to do their work, but I wouldn't love to do their work at the cost of compromising what we do and what yeah. we stand for. So, I can be the bad guy and I can suggest that, That's a really great idea, however, you know, it's kind of been done before and probably the year before that and maybe even the year before that. Isn't it time that you kind of looked at it, but looked at it from, you know, your customer point of view, your visitor point of view, actually get some data about what their expectation is, do a little bit of calling to your customer base, talk to people, say, hey, what what do you actually go to trade shows for? What do you hope to find? How do you hope to find it? What's a good experience? And that can start informing the, the really, as you say, it's the really important stage of the planning side of things. And, again, it goes back to, you know, appreciate budget's fine. I can you know, talk about how you spend your money all day long. But at that point, when you decide, yeah, we're going to take 10 square metres, 50 square metres, whatever it is going to be. Or maybe just a three per two, because, you know, budget's a time for some people and they're going to be, you know, fighting. It's all important to make sure your planning bit is right so that when you turn up to site and when you start engaging with people like us before that, that you really fully understand that that delegate journey, how are you going to touch them, how are you going to give them something to remember you by and how you're going to prompt the onward action. But the second most important thing about that is also to filter out the people on the day that aren't the right people for you. Having the balls to say, you know what, that's not us. It's really nice to see you and everything else like that. And maybe in a few years' time, we will be in the right place. But today, that's not us, so thanks for coming. And don't put them in your lead pipeline. Don't spend energy chasing them up. All those other 50 people exactly like that, because you'll go away from that show with 100 leads. By the time you've cut through 60 of them, you'll think, this is all shit, what did I do this for? Yeah. Whereas, in fact, you've probably got 10, 20, 50 little gems in there that if you invested proper amount of time at identifying, you're not trying to hit an arbitrary figure of, I've got to get 600 leads, or this is a waste of time, because it's a waste of time, frankly. You want to just properly understand the game back at the qualifying, back at the planning stage. What does success look like? Because success is all the way over here. No one's going to, we were chatting about this. Um, We've just done some work at the Farnborough Air Show. Farnborough are really good at doing PR work at saying, you know, we've just signed deals for 36 billion squillion pounds for, you know, Airbus and stuff like that. No one walks into Farnborough with a pressing need to buy some airbuses and a cheque for 38 million quid. It just doesn't happen. There's a whole bunch of pre-planning. There's a whole bunch of, of evaluation. Part of that evaluation would have been years and years and years of going to trade shows. So, you, know, you stand up and think, I'm being evaluated. Are we credible? Are we, are we just the right people? And that's part of the process over here. It's not, make it look pretty, put some lights on it, and I want some tinsel. Thank you very much indeed. It can be if that's exactly what you're planning has suggested you do. Yeah,
1: and it's interesting you were talking just then about kind of size of stand and um, we work with quite a lot of SMEs and and startup companies who don't have huge amounts of money to invest in lots of space and and lots of shiny, glitzy toys. Um, What do you think those really kind of smaller companies can learn some quick tips from what the big boys do with the big budgets really well, that they can implement on smaller stands that still work to engage with the customer uh,
2: the trickiest thing on a smaller stand is not to overcomplicate. people will possibly try and put too much too much messaging too much collateral too much everything on a small stand and really the bravery when you take a small space is to cut it back don't just fill it with with stuff be really clear about who you are what you are and what what you're there for And and Don't just fill it with stuff. The second mistake people make is certainly SMEs. Been one, I understand the pressure. You're on 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Every minute you've got is really, really important to you. The horror that I see time and time and time again is people at the back of a stand on their smartphone not engaging with the wider world. You're smiling your head off. You've been there as well, haven't you? Yeah. (laughs) It's the most soul-destroying thing is being on a stand. I absolutely get that. But go back to your planning phase, you committed to it. If you can't be on that stand and engage with the people, employ someone who can just for that period of time. They're called brand ambassadors. They will come along, they'll absorb all the knowledge you, you can possibly want them to, and they'll be genius for you. But they have to, the most important thing is to engage with people. If I could have a rule of don't take your mobile phone on your stand employer because yeah. it they are a distraction you know one day in every seven apparently we spend solidly on our phones 40 and some crazy amount of time and as an sme that's really important because they've got to be connected all the time they're trying to grow the business i absolutely get that but ring fence the time you're on the stand
1: yeah it's a really interesting point because um we talk a lot about. Uh, trade shows are sometimes seen as the glamorous excuse to be out of the office for a few days, particularly if it, it's in a really nice venue somewhere by a beach or, um, yeah. and people treat it as a jolly, but trade shows are really, really hard emotionally, physically, mentally. You're on your feet, you're talking to people, you've had work stopping people and filtering them to see whether they are relevant for, for you or not. And, you know, the one thing we, we talk about quite often is that if you're not excited by doing a trade show, then then don't go to it because it will show in your face, it will show in your delivery, it will show in you speaking to customers, you'll come across as robotic. So trade shows aren't for everybody and it's kind of okay to say, do you know I'm not very good at this, I'm going to leave it to somebody else.
2: Yeah, and don't fall into that Hackney trap of it's a trade show, we'll send our sales guys. Because yeah. they might be the <laughs> worst people. You know, hands up, I'm a sales guy. And sales guys potentially have a, a smallish attention span um, <laughs> and you know, they're not necessarily they're gonna have the time to have the small talk conversation, which can really help, you know, is to go back to the, you know, the Airbus concept, that qualifying stage of, you know, are, are these good people? Are, do I trust them? Are they reputable? Whereas there may be somebody in the office or there may be people like brand ambassadors that can just come along for that execution. But you know, brand ambassadors are, are a brilliant thing for, a, for an SME to consider because they are you know, lively, they're energetic, they're, they're really behind it. And that's their job for that eight-hour period. They will live and breathe your brand. And if you as a business owner can't, or if it's part of that business, it's not quite in your skill set. And let's be honest, it's not everybody's skill to be out there and to be you know, really quite vibrant and engaging for people. Um, you're absolutely right. If you go to a booth and there's tired, disinterested-looking people that can just about get their head out of their screen to say hello to you, that's a rubbish representation of the rest of the brand. And I don't care if you're SME or if you're, you know, a a global. That kind of reputation can destroy all of the good work and waste a big chunk of the budget you've put in. Because that, you know... Mm -hmm. My first impression is I'm not important. And if I'm not important, what's it going to be like trying to deal with you guys? Yeah. Yeah. Because you don't know what I've got in my pocket. You don't know my problem. You don't know anything. And you're not interested. Yeah. And if you're not interested, why don't you just not bother turning up? Why don't you just leave a poster? Put an advert in the press. Do anything like that. Don't bother. Don't waste your time.
1: Absolutely. And it goes back to if you
2: haven't got the time, then, then get someone who has got the time. And get an appropriate professional to do it.
1: I can tell you're quite passionate about having the right people on your stand, which is brilliant. It's, it's brilliant. Um,
2: we build some lovely stuff. We design some lovely stuff. We some great conversations. There's nothing worse than going to a trade show on either the first day or the last day, and you see a bunch of really tired people mooching around, slumped over the desk and stuff like that. It's not an attractive look. Mm. You know, the yeah. best one to, you know, Tim Witherspoon. You... You don't go into their bars and think, this is genius. This is great. Everyone's really nice and vibrant. At uh, two in the afternoon, there's a few people slumped over desks and chairs and stuff like that. It's not the most exciting, enticing place. At three o'clock, last day of a trade show, you need people still on on their A game. They've still got to be up for it. They've still got to want to do it. Yeah. And you're right, it's tiring. You know, By day three, you've done a, you know two full days, you've done two full evenings of networking and all that other kind of stuff. There's no getting away from it, it's, it's a tiring thing. But, you know, don't use it as a jolly, don't, you know, enjoy it by all means, but, you know, with restraint, in moderation, all those other good words, um, because you, it's a job. And it doesn't stop being a job at five o'clock, it's still a job till you, you stop smoozing with people, stop, you know, networking with people because they're working, they're making evaluations the whole time. And, you know, that pulls through. So yeah, over, you know, a 72-hour period, yet yeah, you could be on your toes for 48 of those 72 hours, which is quite killing. Um, and, you know, we've both done this, we know what it's like, but it's important that, you know, your day one and your day three, or day two, or, or, you know, or your eight o'clock and your five o'clock are the same. Because that's that's the brand experience. And it doesn't matter what we've built around you. You know, you can be on a five by three with a couple of pop-ups or you can be on a hundred metres square of stand with LED everything and lights and, and all that kind of stuff. If you're the disinterested contact point, it's unfortunate. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and um, so as a as a stand designer and, and agency, you um, there must be times when you get a client brief and you think, I really don't know where to go with this one. So whether an exhibitor is approaching a big organisation like yours or just going to their local printer for some, some pop-ups and some graphics, what are the things that they could do that would really help the person designing that stand to give them what they're looking for?
2: Um, it's, it's really, it's taking the time to, when, when, you know, when we get a brief, um, sometimes it's it's really really good, really clear, and and you can see considerations gone into it, and there's there's a thought process behind it, um, and that's great. And and that you know is is you know it's self-explanatory. It kind of helps you lead you by the hand, and, and you know that's good. Sometimes, certainly SME level and and kind of mid-range level, there's you know some assumptions that are made. Some gaps you see gaps in a brief where you think, well, how have you got to this point? Why is that a requirement? Um, and then you, you go a little bit further back and there's the, the oh, we're thinking of exhibiting at a stand. And that, for me, at a show. And that, for me, is, is where it's really quite exciting because you then have the, the ability to say, well, let's think about this. And, you know, when you get a brief, it's, it's kind of, you know, a lot of the thinking is done When you get, you know, the, the, the thought process of, I'd like to go to a show, but I'm not sure. That's where I think we can make a difference. So my, my big challenge to, to all our prospects, all our clients, and, and anybody thinking about it, is, is talk to people first. Talk to, you know, a good agency. Not not necessarily us, we, we are cool, but, you know, talk to your local agency. Talk to other people that go to the show as well. You know, sometimes people think, it's, I can't talk to them, they're, they're my competitors. They're, they're people as well. They, they want to get, you know, broadly a similar thing out of the show uh, as you did. Ask them what works for them. You know, what, what does kind of work for them? They may guard those secrets hugely. Most people are massively proud about the stuff that is a, a success. But, you know, it's the more knowledge you can get of what actually works, the better. But the most important thing is talk to your customers. You know, if you're, talking, if you're thinking of going to a show... Who's gonna be there? Is there anybody we sell to gonna be there? Well, who's you know, who are we trying to sell to then? Why don't we talk to some of those people? What what do they look for from that show? And that is the most important part of informing your thinking of going to a show, not oh, I can get a cheaper rate at this one. You know, my, my stand footprint has gone down from X pounds to Y pounds, that's a bargain. No, if your audience aren't going to it, if your audience don't think it's a credible show then it's just a slightly less expensive waste of money. Yeah. But, you know, talk to your customers, understand what you want to do, understand your message, understand the onward action. Okay. That's kind of the, the, the linear process that people don't always do. They, they go, oh, I've got 100 grand, I'll buy 50 grand worth of space, I'll spend 30 grand on a stand, I've got 20 grand to, to spend on hotel rooms. There you go, we've done, we've done that every year.
1: Nice hotel room. <laughs> Yeah, exactly.
2: yeah, it's a big yeah. hotel, it's kind of cool. Um, but you, you know that kind of thinking, where it's, you know, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll take a budget and I'll apply my budget to my thing um, because I've done that before. Yeah. And, you know, to a greater or lesser degree, it's, it's what's expected. So, yeah, work, in a, work with an agency that will challenge that thinking and say, actually, you could probably take smaller space, do something a little bit different, do something a little bit more attractive to people but invest in the knowledge of your customers and invest in that, that face-to-face experience. And people don't necessarily, people think standing on a stand, we've just discussed this, is, is easy. Standing up and being excited about what you do, how you do it, is, is really, really hard. And people don't invest in, in that part of the, the process. You know, you look around an office and go, right, well, you can come, you can come, you can come because you haven't got much on. That isn't necessarily your best front line of attack, yeah. especially as those people have got different skill sets. So how about training those people? Before you put them at your most important thing, how about you, you invest just a little bit of time in saying, let's get a trainer in, let's actually talk through what we think success looks like and see how many people we can pull through our success funnel or else actually that guy there is going to talk to everybody and come in with a, you know, 150 business cards to go, these are all leads. And we go back to the whole process of, well, okay, well, Kevin got a whole bunch of leads. They were all rubbish. The show was crap. Don't know what we were thinking of. We're not going there again. Whereas, actually, if you train people, you get the right people having the right conversations. And they could be the people in the office. They could really enjoy it. They could shine. But give them the, the training. Because, again, loop it back. There's nothing worse than being dragged out of the office onto an exhibition thing I've no idea why I'm here. yeah. So no idea why I'm here. I'm horrified. I'm gonna be on my phone. Just just wrong, wrong, wrong. Whereas if you've invested a day's worth of training in them, got them excited about it, got them pumped up about it, then they're gonna represent the brand really well. They're gonna understand that actually that's a lead. And do you know what you you just want a pad and a pen, don't you? Have a pad and a pen, tar very much indeed. Yeah. But you know, I've got 10 leads, but they're really good leads. Yeah. And convert those, turn those into money, the show is a success and let's do
1: it again and absolutely just picking up on that with the, the training um that we we do with clients and we talk about you know just trying to explain to people how that trade show fits into an overall aligned marketing strategy it's part of a communication plan to your customers otherwise it's quite often seen with a little bit of jealousy as a big money pit where some people get to go off on a big jolly and it doesn't return anything to the business and it's trying to just help people understand this is how we're communicating to our customers and this is the role, that, the tactic that the trade show is playing as, as part of that. And that's why people then start to care because they can see it as part of the, the vision of where the company's going rather than just you know a bit of space on a trade show floor with 500 leads that come back that never turn into anything. So.
2: Yeah, and it, it should be part of a continual touch point that, you know, it's peaks and troughs, but yeah, actually we're building towards this and all this communication going on before is actually feeding people That's into it. And it, we've got something really cool to talk about. We're going to be here. We're going to be doing this thing. Um, and over here, it's like, hey, we met you at that thing. It was really good. You expressed an interest in this. And it's it's a constant. It's not, if it's if it's done in isolation, it's like, ta-da, we're here, we're doing things. It's great, it's great. Yeah. And then nothing happens, you know, beforehand or afterwards. There is that shot, you know, I've walked into halls where it's been like, all oh, right, those guys are here. Amazing. Um, if I had time, I'd have gone to the them. But I haven't because I didn't even know they were here. Yeah. yeah. Um, and if you extrapolate that over a show that's got you know six thousand, ten thousand people with footfall, you think, well, how many people did we not, you know, that could have been interested did we not yeah. see? Because we couldn't be asked to invest over here of, you know, joining it up with the rest of our marketing thinking, and over here with, okay, well, we had some cool conversations. How do we continue those on? Yeah. And it's you know I'll come back to, you know. Don't expect people to turn up with a checkbook for $36 billion because they need some dreamliners. Yeah. It's not going happen. Yeah. But understand what success really looks like to you in the business. Yes. Uh, but gate that. Say so what does success look like week one? What does success look like month one and month three afterwards? So Because people are going to drop out on that journey, same as they will with any kind of sales process. But it's keeping t- touch of that, finding out what worked for people, that into the thinking when you come back over here yeah and just you know do the good things ignore the bad things and refine don't do the same we did last year or the year before or any of those like that refine it's it's about refinement it's not necessarily about biggest budget it's not necessarily about the, the shiniest toy it's thinking about the customer sounds really really easy to do <laughs> really surprising how many people do
1: um So we are racing towards 2019 at a ridiculous pace. Um, What do you think are going to be the big things for 2019 in the exhibitions world?
2: I think there is going to be a continuation that we're seeing of, of people stripping things back It becoming more and more about how you facilitate proper dwell time with people. So... Actual conversations, actual one-to-one subject matter expert kind of meetings um, on a footprint, on a brand experience um, is going to be key. Um, A lot of more experiential type um, events. We're seeing a lot of those coming across our desks now where there is, and I think it kind of ties in a little bit to some of the challenges in the retail space at the moment. The retail space potentially is looking like it's going to change more to um, uh, a browsing experience um, where you see people go to a store, browse, and then make their purchase online. We're kind of seeing that a little bit on the other side of things where brands are going, okay, well, well, we'll control our environment, we'll control our brand experience, we'll put it on a stand and we'll get people to come and touch it. Um, and then they'll go and make that purchase decision after that. Um, so I think those are going to be the two kind of diverging ways people will approach 2019. Technology is still going to be important. How you, you talk to people and attract people before and afterwards is, is still, in fact, going to be even more important because they're going to want to track um, that, that delegate journey. Um, but I think the focus is you know, going to be increasing on, on the customer, the delegate. What are they trying to do? And how you maximise your dwell time with that individual.
1: Yeah. Interesting. It's going to be um, an exciting year with everything that's, um, that's going on, or might be going on, who knows these days with Brexit yeah. in 2019. Um, so who else in the industry do you think might have some interesting stuff to talk to us about that we could contact for a future podcast?
2: Future podcasts. Well, um, I've got a couple of people that I won't say online because that that could be um, challenging. The who would be good to talk to, I think, would be if you can get hold of somebody at Cisco because okay. they're quite they're quite interesting in that they have some a lot of cool technology that touches us all day, every day, and sometimes they're they're. Events can seem a little bit dry, uh, but they've done a lot of thinking around it, and that's a good conversation to have with people. Um, and look at some of the, the bigger retailers, people like John Lewis, understand how they talk to their, their staff, you know, the, the Waitress people, the John Lewis Partnership people. Interesting. Um, because that, they do some really nice conference work, they do some really nice uh, show work. But it's interesting to to see how they deploy brand ambassadors, for example, that carry their message forward and how that then percolates down onto the shop floor. Um, And if you look in the retail space versus our space, that model and that success story um, in the face of what can be quite challenging times is is an interesting parallel.
1: Not one that would have been obvious to me, but definitely um, an, an interesting one to pick up on. Um, so thank you so much there's loads of stuff in there that is really really useful and I know people who are listening will have definitely taken away some food for thought and hopefully started to think um, a little bit differently inspired them um, to think differently about their trade show campaigns so Tim if people want to get hold of you where can they find you if they want to follow up after they've listened to you talking today
2: Uh, best have a look on our website which is project-4.com or my email is timchristian, all one string, at project-forward.com. Um, always up for a chat, always up for a conversation. Um, as you see, what you see is what you get. It's pretty relaxed, it's pretty informal. Not scared to call it how it is or how I see it. Um, and it's always good just to, you know, if, if you're over there and you're having a think about something and it's absolutely right, then don't change it. But, but don't be scared to, you know, if you've done it for 20 years, and you've done it that way for twenty years, then it might need a bit of a refresh. Just to have a conversation—that's all it is. Because that's all you want to do on the day is you want to have a conversation and see if it's the right kind of thing to turn money over here.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I hope you get some people who are struggling with their trade show presence to give you a call because I know from our experience with working with you, um, you've got to be quite brave working with Tim because he'll tell you what doesn't work but in a really nice way and you will always get to see a better result so in terms of challenging your thinking um, it's a brilliant process to go through and there are tips and tricks that you've given us that we still use 10 years on from still working with you so I can thoroughly recommend a call to Tim if, um, if you're struggling so thank you so much for your time today it's been really useful and uh, hopefully you have a fantastic 2019. Grant and you and uh, everybody else thank you very much indeed cheers So a little bit longer there than our usual conversations will be, but we thought that Tim just had some great advice that would be valuable for for you guys. So hopefully you got something from that that you can go away now and plan a brilliant stand for all your trade shows next year. Just picking up on something topical that's been in the news in the last week or so, the sad news coming out of the NEC that, unfortunately, um, Garant Thomas had his Tour de France trophy stolen. During our workshops and when we're working with clients, one of the things we always say is really keep an eye on your valuables and this just brings it to life. I think venues have got so much better over the years with security and ensuring that only people who are trusted and supposed to be working on site are there. But it just, I think, brings home to all of us the need to at least have a minimum of two people on your stand at all times and keep an eye on anything, be it intellectual property or kit and equipment, make sure it's safe all the time. So hopefully you've enjoyed today's episode. We have tried to be a little bit less serious and a bit more fun, but I think we can probably work on that. So we'll probably do it with beer next week and see if we can be even more entertaining. Um, speaking of the next episode, we will be talking to Kathy Forsyth, who works as an operations manager with events and exhibitions, and she'll be helping you understand why all those niggly little details around health and safety, risk assessments, deadlines for forms are so important to making sure you don't get stopped from building your brilliantly designed stand once you get on site so have a fantastic couple of weeks before we speak to you again if you have got a trade show trouble don't forget to get in touch with us and we will try and get that answered for you and we look forward to you joining us on the next episode so from myself and Steve it's goodbye for this week
0: If you'd like more information about our book the exhibitionist future podcasts and newsletters please remember to pop over to inspiringexhibitors.com where you'll be able to find all the relevant information once again thank you for listening